all those communication strategies we learn at work, they'll work at home too. So this week, the only subject matter expert I could find is my wife. She and I confess those strategies we've learned at work that we've used at home. Love and marriage, love and marriage Go together like a horse and carriage You can't have one, you can't have none You can't have one without the other My name is Doug Downs, and yes, this week is going to be a little different. My guest is my wife of 21 years, Cheryl Kent. Hey, I'm walking through the kitchen. Are we doing this? Or <laughs> yeah, what? we're doing this. We're live. We're live. Say hello to America. No. <laughs> um, it's actually our anniversary on November 13th, 2020. So uh, 21 years ago on November 13th, a snowy uh, Sunday, as I recall. A Sunday? <laughs> yes. We Saturday. Don't... We didn't get married on a Sunday. Friday. It was a Friday. I remember it well. It wasn't Friday the 13th, Doug. It was a Saturday. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be Friday, would it? So uh, anyway, we are not practicing social distancing here today. Forgive us. Uh, Cheryl has a Bachelor of Fine Arts from the University of Alberta and a long history in communications, various communications roles with Travel Alberta, Alberta Economic Development, and currently is with the city of Calgary. Now, this is an episode, you're right, we talked about it in the kitchen, just sort of back and forth. We were joking about it, and gradually, increasingly, we thought, you know what, we could do this. Let's do it the week of our anniversary. Uh, things that you learn at work, communication strategies, sometimes, you know, inter-office politics, things like that, that you, you bring home and you use them at home. I think uh, my colleagues all know that I'm... I get excited about coffee and candy, yep. anything sweet, yep. especially first thing in the morning. And um, I appreciate that, you know, they they treat me with goodies when they have something difficult they want me to do. <laughs> so I know that if I come into work and, and there's a coffee on my desk, it, it probably means that a report or something is, is coming my way. Um, likewise... Um, one of my colleagues who knows me really well sent me a pile of work on a Friday afternoon. Mm. She'll know who she is. <laughs> and to sweeten it for me a bit, she hid a chocolate in amongst all the papers. So so that was her way of thanking me for for doing a bunch of work on a on a Friday afternoon. And and likewise, I think, you know, I've used this strategy at home with the kids. On occasion, maybe maybe you too, but, um, you know, for the kids, like, especially when they were little and trying to encourage them to do schoolwork or chores or something that they really didn't want to do, um, there would be maybe a treat afterwards. Or um, for one of the kids with math, math was a struggle, so a box of Smarties went a long way. So we could group the colors to learn uh, multiplication and adding them up, and then at the end we do subtraction, and and they'd get to eat the smarties. So I'm way too smart to fall for any of this. So yeah, I... right. Well, yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, 
Think, think, think about that the next time I make you your favorite meal. Shepherd's pie? I might be cooking something else up. <laughs> no, that would probably be a case of beer. I'd probably bribe you with a case of beer. Get me both. I'll do just about anything. Yeah. <laughs> I had a VP that I worked with. She was a, a client internally in a corporation I was in. And, and she, would, she was working on uh, how to be more empathic, how to come across a little kinder. She had a very strong will about her. So on Valentine's or, or Easter, she would go through the office place and there were hundreds of workers and she had a little assistant behind her who would pull chocolates out of a basket and just sort of toss them on your desk. And it was, it just didn't, it didn't have that warm, cozy feel. We called it drive-by chocolating. Um, so these, these kinds of things, even though if you're making shepherd's pie or buying me a case of Boddington's, I'm going to know what you're doing, but if, if, if it's done... But with, you didn't with, know what I was doing. <laughs> I pretended. Uh, if it's done with, with authentic care um, and empathy, and in this case, love, then, then that's what I think all of us are looking for. So she didn't um, talk to you about why she was giving Nothing. you chocolates? She didn't or? say anything. Happy Easter. Oh. Happy, happy Valentine's. There was no thank you for happy Valentine's. On this there, project. There's some chocolate. <laughs> Um, another example is, is balancing at work when to be assertive um, and as well as learning how to create safe spaces for others to assert themselves in the right way. And COVID has actually really played a, a role in this where uh, people who, who tend to be more internal with their feelings uh, in working from home, um, they're finding a bit more voice for themselves. Yeah, I think... I'm more the introvert, you're more the extrovert, so you're still connecting well to people through podcasts and yeah. and uh, through Teams meetings or Skype or Zoom or however you're doing that. But, exactly. And you've been really good at that during um, this pandemic, I noticed, when we were both working from home. Across the table. Across the table <laughs> from each other. And, and it was really good for me to see how you work because... Um, I haven't, I haven't really been aware of that. And you've been good at keeping in touch with your, your clients and the people within your industry. You're definitely more, um, introverted than me. Um, how has this been for you though? I would say for me, it's, it's, it's been pretty good. I, I, I think I've realized that I'm more extroverted than I realized I was that I missed some of that connection with my colleagues. So it's been as much as I do like working from home and I think I'm okay with it for the most part, I do miss having those in-person conversations and, and those chocolates yeah. that people put on my desk. Um, in terms of leadership, a parent is a leader. Um, I know you work with the kids to help them find their space for voice as well. So I think at different stages of the kids' lives, they've um, communicated with us in different ways. You know, when they're little, they come home from, well, we'd, we'd know if they had a good or bad day at school by the conversation walking home from school. Mm -hmm. um, one of the kids I know would would keep something in all day, and then on the walk home, it would all <laughs> come out, usually aimed at uh, the twin sibling. But, you know, they, they would express how they felt 
and and what was going on in their lives and and then uh, oh and also too at that age too they were very good at communicating um usually during story time like at the end of the day when when the day's complete and they're done their homework and they're snuggled in bed and we'd read a few books you know the the worries of the world might might come out at that time and it was a safe place for them that they they felt they could speak and now that they're older i find they're you know they're teenagers now they're saying saying less um they're saying more probably on their devices to their friends and less mm. to us so um trying to trying to get them to talk and having a safe place for them to talk has changed and I find they speak up more now, usually when we're driving in the car. And I think it's because they're not having that across the table, eye to eye conversation. It's really, they know it's a timed um, space. It's going to be, you know, 20 minutes from point A to point B. They've 20 minutes of my attention. Um, so they can just talk and, and freely it's almost kind of like talking to themselves. <laughs> they freely speak, mm -hmm. but they're not having to, to look me in the eye to do it. Another communication interaction um, kind of lesson is ensuring that everyone knows the path of a project. There, there's nothing more frustrating than a project kicking off and you being, let's say, responsible or playing a key responsibility for the kickoff, only to have someone, unbeknownst to you, kick it off in an entirely different way than what you were planning. Uh, it's almost like you take one step forward and two steps back at the same time. And I think this, this happens quite a, quite a bit at work. And, and right now it, it can be, it can be a bit of an issue with people working remotely and um, having plans and having ideas and, and then um, maybe other conversations happening that, don't include the whole team and something going in a different direction. So an example of this at home would be when I've planned a family holiday and I've booked the flights, booked the hotel. Um, Passports. Yes, reminding you to, to make sure you, you have your passport with you. Uh -huh. um, and... I've done the organizing and you pretty much just have to pack your own suitcase and show up. <laughs> and then I find out that you've bought tickets for this hockey game and you've bought tickets for this basketball oh, game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and That's our trip down to Disney and we, we went and saw the Lakers play, the Clippers play, um, and we saw the Anaheim Ducks play. Kids loved right. it. They did. They did. They did. It wasn't quite what you were planning. No, it was just kind of thrown in at the last minute, and then we had to re—we had to change some things around a bit. But it would have been good if in the planning stage. Um, one thing that we learn at work is to identify a goal, build the plan, ex execute the plan. In home life, while you still have to have a plan. It's, it's really important, and I think this lends to work now as well, where you, you, you can't overemphasize the end result so much as the journey sometimes to recognize 
that your coworkers too are on a journey in their work life. And while we're striving to achieve goals, the journey is at least equally important. Yeah, I think with the, the kids, I know, I think we've been very focused on raising them to be um, respectful, hardworking. Good values. Individuals. Yeah. And we're focusing on the end result, preparing them right. to leave home eventually. As much as that makes me sad, um, I know you're a little bit excited about that phase. Yes, <laughs> I have it on the calendar, if you've noticed. <laughs> what year? <laughs> so one thing, though, that really surprised me recently, I'm still surprised by this. One of the kids was making soup. And did not know how to open a can. <laughs> now, this child's just about ready to go to college or university. Drives a vehicle. And did not know how to use a can opener. It's like, how how could we have missed that little step yeah. in all the other things we've done? I'd like to think it's because I'm a great cook and I don't cook anything from a box or a can. But I know that's not the truth. So... I don't know. I think we just, I think the kids are getting can openers for Christmas. <laughs> and instructions on how to use it. That should be a test. We'll give them a can oh. and a can opener. And make it a contest between the three of them. But you know, it would have to be something. There'd have to be something in the can they really want. We'd have to put money in there. <laughs> or the Wi-Fi password. Yeah, that's a good one. There was... A series of strategies I learned in 2017 when we went to, to Phoenix together. I went on a, for a workshop, uh, and you came along on, on personal expense. Um, and I got to see Peter Sandman, uh, the outrage management guru. And one of his key strategies is something he calls seesaw. So if he's working with a client, and he really wants the client to put more blue in the strategy, but the client wants red, he will, it depends on the personality, he'll deliberately take the tack to say, you know what, red. It should be all red. It should be fire red. It should be blood red. To which the client will say, well, I think we should put some blue in that. So it's reverse psychology to the extreme, but Peter will use that as a strategy. And I've just always found that useful in in and that, and that's why our house is purple. And that's, nothing wrong with purple unless it's Barney the dinosaur. Okay, so when have you actually used this strategy? Um, times when I say we should not have wine or beer in the house. Let's go dry this weekend, completely dry. We don't need anything in the house at all. And you will say? You're right. We don't <laughs> need any. Now that I've given you the strategy, yeah, sure. Um, you can call it persuasion. You can call it manipulation. That's all subjective. Like this scene from 1964, The Flintstones, which you and I both love, uh, produced by Hanna-Barbera, distributed by Screen Gems. In this scene, Wilma is trying to convince Fred to ask for a raise at work. But is this persuasion or manipulation? Fred, are you asleep? Listen, Fred. You want a raise. Yeah, I want a raise. Tomorrow, you're going to see Mr. Slate and demand more money. Demand more money. You are a tiger. 
and you get what you ask for. No, no, I'm chicken, and he won't give it to me. Uh-oh, this may take all night. Now, what are you going to do in the morning? Gonna hit old Slate for a race. And what are you? I am a tiger. And what do tigers do when they come into the house? They wipe their feet. Good little tiger. Good night, Fred. Yeah, I remember the, the Flintstones well. It was always playing at the noon hour when I'd come home for lunch during elementary school. Same here. So um, I have fond memories of it. I do remember this episode, and um, I remember being amazed that Wilma so easily could brainwash Fred. Fred was a caveman. <laughs> you sleep with uh, earplugs, so I don't think I could brainwash yeah, you. rocks in my ears, yeah. Or do you wear earplugs so I can't brainwash you? What was that? <laughs> By the way, if you're a fan of the Flintstones, we have another scene um, from the same episode at the end of the podcast, right at the after the final music, so just let it play. Um, the last piece that we wanted to talk about in this episode is actually a really key learning strategy at work and at home, the power of unlearning. So this week I was fortunate enough to be able to take a course through the University of Calgary for two days, which was on growth mindset. And I realized that I didn't have a very big mindset going into it because I was thinking of growth mindset in an obvious way as being just opening your mind, expanding your knowledge, how to be more receptive of others' opinions. And my biggest takeaway from this program was that I need to do some unlearning, that it's easier to learn something than it is to unlearn something. So we watched a video. It's been around for about five, five years. I encourage anyone to watch it. Um, it's called The Backwards Brain Bicycle. And uh, in this uh, video, the fellow tries to ride a bike that's been welded so that when you turn the handlebars to the left, the bike moves to the right. When you turn the handlebars to the right, the bike moves to the left. And it sounds like it should be easy to learn to just ride. cross your arms, kind of. You cross your arms or just, or just try a couple times yeah. and you'll get the hang of it. Yeah. But as you'll see from the video, it's it it took him eight months of of working every day to learn how to unlearn what he knew was the way to ride a bike so yeah. that he could ride it the different way. So this got me really thinking to things at home that are just ingrained in the way probably I'd been raised or in the community I come from or my social circles as to the way I think and the way I do things. And, and one of the things I know I've caught myself doing that we all say we're not going to do what our parents did is the, I told you so yeah. answer. When you don't know the answer or you don't want to say the answer and you say that I told you so. Because I, I said so. I, yes. I said it recently, and I know it was a cop-out from really saying what the answer is. Yeah. 
I end every episode thanking the person for their time, which feels kind of weird in this case because the time really is it's 21 years. It's been 21 years that we. <laughs> well, it's more than that, though. Yeah. So. Um, 24 years. In that context, thank you for your time. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. If you'd like to send a message to my guest, my wife, Cheryl Kent, you can email her at CherylKent at telus.net. She's not on Twitter. We're working on it. If you liked what you heard, we're hoping you choose to subscribe to Stories and Strategies and receive updated episodes automatically. I did receive one email from someone asking, if I subscribe, does that mean I pay a fee? There's no fee. There's no monetary interaction at all. Um, subscribe just means you receive those updated episodes right away in your inbox uh, when you wake up in the morning. Living with him is costly enough. You've subscribed for 21 <laughs> years. Uh, we're also hoping you choose to follow and rate this podcast on any directory that you're listening on. And would you do us a favor and recommend this podcast to one friend? If you have an idea for an episode or you just want to tell us something, send us a note at info at jgrcommunications.com. Thanks for listening. What do you want for our anniversary? I would like an art studio slash cabin in the middle of nowhere. And a mink coat. With Wi-Fi. No mink coat. Fred, listen carefully. Every woman wants a mink coat. A mink coat. Your Wilma wants a mink coat. A mink coat. You want to get Wilma a present, don't you? A mink coat. Oh, you got the message fast. Hmm, wait till they see me at the bridge club. <laughs>